0: I have found it to be really empowering that everyone stopped at the same moment and whether or not you join the Daily Calm or you just have 15 minutes, everyone's doing the same thing. And so we actually built on that throughout the year where we aligned on mental health days for the company. So we put about four mental health days throughout the year, primarily around uh, long US holidays so that people had four-day weekends. We identified the last Friday of every month as a Zoom-free Friday so that everybody's off Zoom. And then the week of Labor Day, we gave everyone a mental health week. So the entire company had off the same time. And it was probably one of the most, I'd say, in my HR career, impactful and magical experiences that I've had, where it's everybody gets to take a beat at the same time. Every single person took the week. Four simple days went a really long way. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual.
1: The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, Drive innovation and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm Matthew M.F. Miller. I'm pleased to welcome Scott Doman, Chief People Officer of Calm, the app that helps reduce stress and anxiety and improve sleep. As you might imagine, its popularity has soared during the pandemic as people have had to live where they work, work where they live, homeschool their children, and generally perform a complicated work life balancing act. Scott has been the Chief People Officer since early on in the pandemic. And he is a veteran HR professional who has worked at Warner Brothers Entertainment, Facebook, Spotify, and Netflix. He holds a master's degree in psychology, and industrial organization from NYU. Scott, welcome.
0: Hey, Matthew. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. We are so glad you are here today. You joined the Calm team in the summer of 2020. What was it like to become Calm's chief people officer so early in the pandemic and lead people through a time of transition while you yourself were onboarding?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in a people role, you definitely recognize that it's not about you. And oftentimes, like when I've joined the teams, like for instance, with Calm, I had only met one of the founders, no one else in person on the executive team. And so all of the other conversations had been over Zoom. And so I actually found it to be quite interesting because I was like, you know, it actually creates a really great even playing field for everyone. We're all in the same experience. I have a 16 year old cat. So I'm like, you hear the cat meow. I hear your doorbell ring. I hear your dog bark. I hear kids, spouse, and families and things like that. It actually felt really good because I'm like, we're all in this shared human experience. And one of my goals has always been to make sure that we understand the human beings who inhabit the job, not just looking at people as, you know, marketing manager or X, Y, and Z, that we actually understand, hey, this is Scott, who's the chief people officer, not just the chief people officer. So it actually created a really great, you know, level of thoughtfulness for me. And I was able to, you know, as I was onboarding, Meet more people than I probably would have had I just been in an office and going back and forth between conference rooms. It was really great to be able to like, you know, diligently read and take my commute time and turn that into reading all of the memos and documents that we have. And I took my experience and I actually share that with everyone where I'm like, hey, like here's what I learned, here's who I met, here's what I used that time for, you know, find your version of that. So I feel really lucky to be part of Calm when I joined, it was about 120 people. And then right after I joined, we decided to go to remote first. That's amazing.
1: Was this your first time working remote?
0: Yes, it was. I have ended up I've traveled a lot for my other jobs, so I was accustomed to being on the road and on Zoom or Google Chat things like that. But not a fully remote environment where I'm living at work. And I'm glad you said that. I'm a big fan of saying living at work because it's not return to work. I'm like people have been working harder this year and doing more jobs than they ever have. And it gave me a lot to reflect on in terms of the experiences that we as people leaders will be facing in the future as we look at the future of work.
1: And what times of things did Calm do to keep its culture and community strong while you were all remote?
0: We are a highly communicative and really great culture at sharing information. So we really took the opportunity to build on that. So we have, and I will not take credit for this, we have an excellent leader in talent development who put together a learning calendar and an experience calendar for everyone. We had what's called Calm Connections and we have those about once a week, once a month where anyone at the company can present on any topic and anyone can attend. So, think of it in your old school lunch and learn things, but this was the real opportunity to learn about the company and connect with people that you've never physically met in person. We had a Calm Connections that was a pet talent show. So, we all showed up with, you know, our animals and some people showed how their dogs can walk backwards and, you know, run through hoops in the yard and I just showed that, you know, this is what a lazy 6-year-old cat looks like. <laughs> and it was really fun and it's those kinds of things that I think allowed everyone in the culture to just connect as human beings. We also leaned in really heavily into onboarding in terms of the immersive experience that we need to create for onboarding. We also started looking at, you know, what's happening throughout the year, recognizing more vocally things like Black History Month, Pride, AAPI, Indigenous Peoples, and being able to share not only information on those things, And saying, like, this is the backstory behind pride. But being able to share experiences with our employees so that anyone of any discipline could come together in any background and learn about pride, celebrate themselves, and I think have a really good time with the company.
1: Given that Calm is a meditation and relaxation app, are there any mindfulness practices that the company as a whole regularly incorporates into its workplace routine?
0: We do. Every day from 10 to 10.15, we have on our calendars the Daily Calm. So if you've you know, spent time on the app and have heard Tamara Levitt, her voice is spectacular. Her words of wisdom just sort of wash over you. And we have that on our calendars every day so that as a company, we can join the Zooms and listen to the Daily Calm. And if you don't join, at least you know that 10 to 10.15 block is blocked on your calendar. So you can use that however you would like we also at our all hands in our town halls will dive into different pieces of content. So we've got Jeff Warren with the daily trip. We'll listen to some of the new kid stories that are out there. If we've got a really great sleep story that, you know, launched, we'll play that so that everyone has the opportunity to find a sense of centeredness but also experience the company in a very real way.
1: Yeah, and doing that daily calm together is really unique cuz in such a fast-paced work environment, there's not many times where we all stop, right? Stop together. What is that like when you work somewhere where you realize everyone is taking a moment at the same time?
0: I have found it to be really empowering that everyone stops at the same moment and whether or not you join the Daily Calm or you just have 15 minutes, everyone's doing the same thing. And so we actually built on that throughout the year where we aligned on mental health days for the company. So we put about four mental health days throughout the year, primarily around uh, long US holidays so that people had four-day weekends. We identified the last Friday of every month as a Zoom-free Friday so that everybody's off Zoom. And then the week of Labor Day, we gave everyone a mental health week. So the entire company had off the same time. And it was probably one of the most, I'd say in my HR career, impactful and magical experiences that I've had, where it's everybody gets to take a beat at the same time. Every single person took the week. Four simple days went a really long way. That must have felt
1: like a really connective experience for the whole group.
0: It really was. It was really, really connective. and it provided everyone because one, we run two engagement employee engagement surveys a year, so our engagement survey in June gave us a lot of insights that you know people who have been working full out for a very long time from home, and as much as we say you know you've got time off when you need it, it wasn't quite enough. The mental health days were a really big and great thing to do, but again, it just wasn't quite enough so The management team led by our co-founders decided that, you know what, the week of Labor Day, we're going to give one, you know, that Monday is a holiday. We're going to give those four extra days so that you can actually have a full 10-day holiday. And it was phenomenal. It was just such an amazing experience. And the energy that we felt coming back from that week was truly incredible. And the business didn't miss a beat. So are there any
1: mindfulness practices that you've personally adopted since you started working at Calm?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely join the daily calms. I mean, listening to Tamara's voice it just has and, and her words just has a very special impact to me. It always has, but being here, I feel it much more. And then I'm just much more conscious about how I spend my personal time. So it's really important to me. I'm a bit of a nerd. Like I love my I love Soul Cycle and I love my Peloton. <laughs> and so I get up in the morning and I do Peloton. And at night, it's honestly just the mindfulness to put my phone away and spend time with my husband.
1: You mentioned it a couple of times, but for listeners who maybe don't know who Tamara Levitt is, can you let them know who she is and what she does as part of the Calm app?
0: She's the head of mindfulness as a title. She's the voice of Calm. So if you, you know, bring up your Calm app, she's the first voice that you hear. And she has an incredible practice around mindfulness. And again, her words of wisdom and the, way, and the tone of her voice that she is very careful and thoughtful about make probably the biggest difference to me.
1: So how does Calm as a company practice what it preaches about wellness when it comes to the benefits it offers its employees?
0: Well, one was definitely our mental health week and our mental health days because we just feel that, you know, honestly, the ethos of Calm, of making the world a happier, healthy place, solving the world's mental health crisis, like we have to understand what that means internally. I would also say from a value standpoint, one of our values is high EQ. And this is the company that, unlike any other like I've ever experienced, where you think about the timing and tone of your words, you think about that everyday engagement that you have with people. I find it's in those little things every day that make the biggest difference. We've done things like switch our benefits provider to provide more mental health services. And those I see as kind of table stakes. Like we listened to our employees, we looked at our plans, we're like, okay, we need to like, we need to make a shift. But it is to me in those day-to-day practices that actually make the biggest difference, which is why I encourage all people leaders and all HR leaders to model that, to look at how people are communicating, the messages you send, the read between the lines and put yourself in, you know, even the most junior employees position on how they're experiencing you and how you're reading things. And I find it's that small shift that actually makes, again, the biggest difference.
1: You briefly mentioned high EQ is something that's really important. And we hear about that a lot, but why is that important in today's
0: work environment? I think that it's high EQ in an authentic way because mission values, things like words, like high EQ are easy. Like it's easy to have the posters where it's like, we value EQ, like all of those kinds of things. What's hard is being mindful about it, is being thoughtful about it of like, like I said, of being thoughtful about the power of your words, to be thoughtful about that slack you're sending out that you're like, Oh, I'm just sending some information. Maybe someone in my position sending that to someone else it's like oh my gosh i cannot uh, am i in trouble and you just like it's the high eq to understand like you in relation to others you in relation to especially in a remote environment to pay attention to those cues that people are giving you verbal and nonverbal having a high eq for us is not just a value it's it's a living breathing practice
1: In 2019, Calm launched Calm for Business, which allows businesses to adopt Calm as workplace benefit. Can you tell me a bit more about how Calm for Business works?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the whole premise behind it is to provide Calm as an employee benefit, to increase mental resilience through better sleep, reducing stress and anxiety. And just like we've been talking about being generally more mindful, I found that a lot of people have experienced Calm by virtue of it as an employee benefit but have viewed some things as a barrier to entry of oh, I'm not a meditator. And I'm like no, there's so much in Calm about mindfulness, sleep, kids, things you can learn from, you know, a masterclass perspective that you know, go in there and explore and actually take advantage of it. And the B2B partners that sign up with us have free access, free access to in the entirety of Calm's content library, ongoing engagement programs, curated content for work. I will spend, as well as the talent development lead I mentioned, will spend time talking to HR leaders, helping them think about how they roll out Calm, how they talk about Calm. I've been lucky enough to join some panel discussions at these companies as well. And it's really great to see organizations as a whole be more thoughtful about mental fitness, mental health, et cetera, in the workplace, and no longer making it something you can't talk about. Because I think about when I first started working a long time ago, Talking about my mental health and mental fitness was not something that was, you know, on the table to discuss. And so, by virtue of calm and the and the content that we have, we make it okay for you to do those things.
1: I love that. I have actually, in the past several months, had times where I've cried with my other teammates because the pressure of the pandemic and just life in general. You know, like you said, working where you live and living where you work. It's so pressure-filled. And I think if you have that awareness with your team and your teammates, it doesn't feel scary.
0: I agree. Thank you for sharing that too. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. So there's so much power in that vulnerability and in sharing those stories and doing it without shame. And I think that's one of the things that the pandemic and the working from home, living at work, those kinds of things have taught us is that we're all going through it. We are. None of us knows what's next. None of us has it figured out perfectly. We've all gone through our version of something and it adapted and iterated so many different times that it's so great that like you found that power to have that connection and experience with your colleagues. Like it's something to be admired and something that I'd love to see more people talking about. So thank you for sharing it with me.
1: Absolutely. Since you launched Calm for Business, have more companies started to take this meditation practice and these mindfulness practices more seriously as part of their benefits?
0: I definitely have. I find that, you know, they're thinking about mental health and mental fitness at work in general, both because it's something that employees are requesting, but also from, you know, their management teams and boards are saying, this is a significant issue that's impacting burnout, attrition, productivity, efficiency, etc. So companies have been forced into paying attention to something that's always been there and paying attention to it openly. I think that when it comes down to like a, let's just call it a, a company employees, they don't feel more empowered to say, I'm not okay. For their team members around them to say, "Like that's okay. And for their managers to be like, how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? It's created this sense of humanity in, our, in organizations that, again, has always been there, but is now getting a spotlight. And I truly do believe that employees and com- companies have to adapt, that their employees will have different expectations going forward around how you engage in these conversations and how you make these things okay to discuss at work.
1: Yeah. And and more and more, vulnerability is seen as strength.
0: Exactly. And sometimes, you know, I mean, there are four generations in the workforce right now. Friends of mine who are nearing retirement and I talk about what I'm doing, they're like, I would never really talk about that. And I'm like, no, you have to talk about that.
1: And you end up with a stronger workforce. Would you agree?
0: You do. A stronger, more engaged, more committed workforce that has new, like I said, has new expectations of what you as a company need to provide.
1: So for HR leaders at companies that are new to talking about mental and emotional well-being, where's a good place to start the conversation?
0: I don't mean to be uh, tongue-in-cheek, but it's like, start where you are. Are you comfortable talking about these things? If you're not, there are people around you that you can talk to about them. I'm very raw and vulnerable and direct. And you know, I'm like, I'm not perfect. I don't ever want to pretend I am. I also don't want to tell you I have all the answers because I don't. When there's so much power in that, that I think you know, with people and HR leaders, you have so many people coming to you that you feel like you have to create the answer. And I'm like, sometimes just saying, you know what? I don't know either, but I'm going to help you and the company figure this out because it's important to us. That goes way further than coming up with what sounds like the buzziest, wordiest answer that you read in HBR yesterday. That's my personal opinion. I know there are others out there, but I, I do believe in sort of the deconstructing of, you know, the role and being more vulnerable, more authentic, and even beyond HR. Like when the HR leader demonstrates that, when a CEO demonstrates that you get your managers who are able to demonstrate that as well. So it's that, you know, virtuous cycle and cascade of positive engagement and, and experience that everyone realizes, Oh, we are in very many ways going through the same things. And I need to leave space for you to tell me the same way I want you to leave space for me.
1: And as you said, those three words, I don't know, are, can be a really powerful management tool.
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. And you know, this is, um, there's a program that we've built for our B2B te- uh, clients called the Mindful Manager. And it's rolled out and the whole tenets of it are around what you mentioned around high EQ, not just as a concept and something that's nice on a page, But how do you think about that? How do you adapt to that? How do you listen to your employees? How do you say, how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? And leave oxygen for that silence. So we've spent a lot of time at Calm practicing this. And I'm proud to say that like in terms of things that we're packaging, that we can actually give to our B2B partners, the mindful manager is one of those things where it's making a significant difference because it goes beyond like the effectiveness of a manager to the... Your effectiveness is also now about the softer skills as well. Do people stay on your team? Are they engaged? Do they want to work for you again? And what does that actually look like?
1: Yeah. And that, how are you doing really? conversation is different for extroverts and introverts. So, how do you leave space for different types of of people who maybe aren't as comfortable sharing their emotions?
0: Oh, totally. It's a great question because it's one of those things where, much like I'll say, hey, how are you doing? Or really, how are you doing? Leave space, but also, it's not a story that you need to force. So when we talk to our managers and when we educate on the mindful manager, we're like, again, much like all of us have different experiences and we all have you know individual differences, this is an individual difference as well. For some people, whether it's introversion, it's generational, it's just the, today's not the day for me to talk about these things. To teach managers, because it's not a skill that most people have inherently, to teach people how you leave that space and whatever the answer is, that's the right answer.
1: What tools does Calm have to help leaders learn those skills?
0: So in order to help leaders learn these skills of being a mindful manager, we have a couple of things. We have from our talent development team, we have a lot of opportunities for people to learn. So learning new skills, not in a standard classroom training perspective, but being able to read different articles that we'll send to. We have a manager Slack channel, we'll send her in, hey, check this out. We have open office hours for our managers to be able to, you know, ask questions to their child development, me, their HR business partner, etc. We also have created manager cohort groups where managers can come together in small groups and bring, you know, what they're facing.
1: So in the past year, companies have had to take a more holistic view of wellness than they did even two or three years ago. And offering apps like Calm are a big part of that. What are some of the other steps HR leaders can take to promote a culture of wellness in their companies?
0: I think, you know, one, there's the, you know, providing resources and encouraging those conversations like we've talked about, like really set the expectation for your managers about, you know, you're not just managing, let's call it tactical performance and delivery, you're managing, you know, the whole person as well. So be engaged and be passionate about that. I also look at, you know, the promotion of mindful management practices like we've been talking about around, again, the modeling of the behavior but making it okay. Using those examples of like, oh, Scott didn't actually do all the things he's been trying to do. Glad it's not just me. You know, those kinds of storytelling aspects that, you know, again, are far, far more powerful than anything else. I also look at, you know, from a tactical level, like you mentioned, the mental health weeks, mental health days, Zoom free days, whatever you can do to encourage everyone to be doing the same thing at the same time to step away and rest and recharge are really important. And then, Almost more importantly than anything, I'm talking more like HR leaders sitting in their seats and looking sort of at the scope of what they could be doing. One of the things that I find to be incredibly valuable is just listening to people, listen to your employees, listen to your leaders. I leave my calendar open so that anyone can just drop time on my calendar and you know, I'm like, hey, what's up? And being able to have that accessibility, being able to ask those questions. And the whole people team does that. So that, like, if you want to talk to someone who recruited you in, great, talk to the person who recruited you in. You want to talk to me? You want to talk to a people partner? You want to, to talk to our head of comp? You can talk to any number of us and we'll sit there, we will listen, we'll empathize, and we'll be able to provide you the support. So that's where for HR leaders, I think a lot of times you just focus on what you as an HR leader are doing or what you're like, for instance, your people partners, your HR business partners are doing. It's actually everyone on the people team. And so, you know, really helping to immerse everyone on the people team in that so that they can all be a part of it.
1: There's still a fair amount of stigma around talking about mental health issues, especially in the workplace. So what can be done to overcome that?
0: Well, one, I mean, a lot of it that I've experienced comes from the storytelling of people in senior leadership positions, again, from co-founder, co-CEOs on down, really talking about what they've been challenged with. I mean, and revealing what you're comfortable revealing. I would never tell a leader like, oh, pick the deepest, darkest thing that, you know, everyone can hear about. It's like, what are you comfortable sharing? What are you comfortable talking about? And if they're not, then being able to find those ways that, you know, the behavior is still modeled to the people on the teams, to the senior people who are able to do that and say like, it's okay. Like, here's the things like, I wasn't comfortable talking about this, but now I'm comfortable talking about it. That's great.
1: So my last question for you is, you know, meditation is certainly gaining in popularity and more people are doing and understanding it. I still think there's kind of a perception that it's difficult. Spiritualist and uh, author Eckhart Tolle says to meditate, you have to breathe because if you're breathing, you can't think. So, what is the power of breathing for you in a day? Oh, that's a great question.
0: I think sometimes for me, it's just about remembering that no matter what I'm facing, how busy I am, I just need to take a beat, take a breath, sit there with my own thoughts, and continue. So, it can be just that simple. And I understand what you're saying around the meditation can oftentimes feel like a barrier to entry. And that's why I always encourage everyone to just try what you're comfortable with. Which, to, to your point, try just having that quiet moment. Try the breathing exercises that maybe you just you found on the internet and then progress. But again, that sense of you know, removing shame and things like that, you shouldn't feel anxiety about, will I be able to you know, do the meditation on an app? We should look at it as a benefit and one of those things where you're like I may need to work my way up there but just taking little breaths over time is uh, I think is really powerful
1: Scott thank you so much for your time today it was great to talk to you
0: thank you too it's been a pleasure
1: thank you for listening to the talent economy I'm your host Matthew M.F. Miller you can find much more information about the talent economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights hubs for bold comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.